How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. Uh, You're about to hear a very special episode. If you are a fan of the show, then you probably know that I do stand-up and that I go on tour from time to time. Well, this is an episode that I recorded on the road with two of the comics that I was touring with, Brett Druck and Steve Hofstetter. These guys are hilarious stand-ups, so I knew they would be hilarious on their episode, and they were. They joined me on the show as 20th century American actor Luke Perry and former president of the United States, Franklin Pierce. And so, if you like the episode, do yourself a favor and check out these comics, Brett Druck and Steve Hofstetter. They both have big online presences, Twitter, website, YouTube, etc. All those links will be in the description, so there is a lot of material to find and enjoy. Uh, in other news, if you want to check out the freshest episodes of Famous Dead People, we're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. You can email us at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends. Uh, hit me up at jarrettberenstein.com for all the latest updates on upcoming projects and live shows. Uh, videos are com- still coming out every Tuesday on my YouTube channel and on my Facebook fan page. And, of course, we have the next iteration of Stand Up 2020, the comedy show slash voter registration drive, Friday, December 6th at 7 p.m. at the Pitt Theater on 24th Street. All of that info will be in the description. But, again, Friday, December 6th at 7 p.m. at the Pitt Theater on 24th Street. Voting rights, registering voters, raising money for a good cause. We got an incredible lineup. So... For now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Franklin Pierce and Luke Perry only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. People you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. The story stuck in the head. You're gonna hear awful from me, even though all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are 19th century American politician, 14th president of the United States, the man who set the stage for the American Civil War, President Franklin Pierce. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, 20th century American actor and teen idol famous for playing the character Dylan McKay on the TV series Beverly Hills 90210, Luke Perry. Hey, man. Uh, Mr. Perry, uh, President Pierce, thank you so much for being with us here today on Famous Dead People. Yeah, Can I I just say how much of an honor it is for me, the 14th President of the United States, to be here with Luke Perry. I really enjoy your work. Thank you. I would say that probably of all of my presidents, you are, all of the presidents, you're definitely my favorite. Thank you. It means means a lot to me. A lot of people don't like me. I love it. I love it when my guests uh, get along and when they have respect for each other. It is an honor for me to have both of you here. I I feel like we're both bad boys. I I was definitely bad. Yeah. (laughs) But misunderstood. I would characterize myself as misunderstood. Like you in season one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that actually leads great into my first question, uh, President Pierce. So you do hold an auspicious place in the history of American presidents. You are generally guarded to be one of the worst presidents in U.S. history. Uh, You were cited as one of the reasons why the Civil War took place, even though you were very passionate about avoiding the war. You are the only active president to be denied the nomination for a second term by your own party. You kind of fell ass backwards into your party's nomination in the first place, and you were only elected because that year there there was historically low voter turnout. So my first question to you is about how history views your presidency. Do you think that's fair? Do you think this is your fault? Is there a reason why things went so sour? Maybe why our perception is worse than it really is? 
Well, first of all, I love it when a host gets my bio right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's it, I did my research. It's important. Yeah. Because a lot of times, like people, I'll I'll do a podcast, mm-hmm. and people will introduce me, and they'll say uh, he was the worst president of all time. Yes. And I'll say no. That that's my old that's my old credits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's from way back when. That's from that's from a couple of years ago. I don't think it's fair to definitively say like who is the worst president. I mean, I I have opinions about who the worst president is. It was me. <laughs> oh, I don't think it. It, is. it absolutely I don't was think it me. Was you. you really but, think so? But th- this could just be the alcohol talk. <laughs> I am still drinking just as much as I was uh, back that's in the day. Fine. That's Have good. you seen? I mean, there's so much better alcohol now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know what it was like back then. Was it different? Back when I was president, what you would do is you would just take a grape and wait. <laughs> And now they have, like, a whole process. It's mm-hmm. much better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I hope that you are fully enjoying all the different uh, single malts and fusions and, you know, what have you. we got a wide variety for you. Oh, I mainly drink White Claw. Oh, I'm sorry, you drink White Claw now? Big fan of White Claw. It's it refreshing. Is, it is. It, it is, is extremely refreshing. It is a great way to be an alcoholic without society judging you as an alcoholic. Yeah, absolutely. So I really I really do enjoy it. But to answer your question, yes. yes, history regards me accurately. It seems like you you view yourself that way also. It seems I've like come you to terms with it. Yeah, okay. Um and so would you say that there's like, you know, is this like a personal failing of yours? Do you think you were a victim of circumstance? Like why did things go as sour as they went? Are you asking me if being one of the worst 45 people to ever become president of the United States is a personal failure? Yeah, sometimes I, you can be a victim of circumstance. I think you don't understand what it takes to become president of the United States. Well, hold, hold on a second. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm one of the 45 worst people to ever be president. Mm-hmm. How did your presidency go? How did my, okay, listen. Obviously, I didn't become president. I was. I'm. I'm from a different time. I'm also Jewish. That's a fucking. That's that's difficult. Even you know? Luke Perry Jew- has not become president. Yeah, and he should have been. He right. really should have been. I'm also fine with it. <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, here's the thing, though. Like, it really seems if we're gonna if we're gonna say like you know people who are incredible become president. You know, some people do just kind of fail upwards. Some people kind of luck out. You know. Maybe there's something about your character or your behavior that made it so that the events... Maybe maybe we plug a different person in there. Maybe we plug Buchanan in there. We avoid the Civil War. Something Look, like that. Some people might say that the only reason I became president is because I was from a successful family that had very strong political ties. Yes. Some people would say that. Okay. Just <laughs> making sure. Gotcha. I thought there might be a thing after that, but... No, okay. I, no just, I just think some there. people would say that. Some people would say that. Some people do say that. Some people are very strongly about that. Uh, let's go over to Luke Barry for just a moment. So, uh, you hey, were born... Uh, what's up, man? Hey. How you doing? Uh, you were born in Mansfield, Ohio in 1966, and I saw on the Wikipedia that you were the school mascot for your high school in right. Fredericton, Ohio. Uh, the mascot was Freddie Bird, is that right? Uh, Fred Bird, I went by. You went by uh, Fred Bird? Well, I took it seriously. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Freddie uh, Bird is for... That's really how you tell if somebody's from an outsider, you know? If they weren't mm-hmm. there, then they would say Freddie Bird. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But when you saw Lou Perry, you knew that that was Fred Bird. Yeah, that's what they, everybody said. Here comes Fred. It's business time. Mm, it's business time. Yeah, okay. I was good. Can you describe Fred Bird to our listeners? Like, I, I don't know what that mascot even looks like, so what, uh, what was the costume? It was about know? eight feet tall. I was on stilts. Okay. And uh, there was a red nose. That was what everybody knew him for. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had... Um, 
I had to do a lot of like makeup effects stuff because he had uh, red tears coming from his eyes consistently throughout uh, games. Really? Yeah. So red nose, yeah. stilts. So I'm on stilts, tall. I have a few gallons of uh, red blood type paint. Um, yeah, it was very intimidating to the other teams, but mm. you know that's what Fred does. Was know? this a departure from other Fred birds? Like, was this something that you brought to the? Yeah, character? this was my idea. Um, um, I didn't feel like our team was winning, and <laughs> I wanted to strike fear into our opponents. And I'm sorry, uh, I just wanted to clarify something. You said you didn't feel like your team was winning. Well, you didn't feel like your team was winning. I didn't feel like our team was winning. So, but I mean, sports isn't about how you feel. It's really about like the numbers, the number of points that you. Well, we were winning, but I didn't feel like we were winning. <laughs> if you're not decimating okay. your enemy, which is something uh, you know I, I believe in, that Luke Perry feels yeah. strongly about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you're. Are you winning? Who cares what the numbers are? are is fear. In their hearts. Gotcha. That's gotcha. what I would say. That's also how I view the Civil War. What? If you're yeah. not decimating your enemy, then you're winning? If if you don't strike fear into their hearts, then mm. what's even the point? Okay, I'm with you. You were in the North during the, the Civil War, and you were staunchly against just war in general. I was, but and I don't mean to change the subject yeah, away yeah. from the Civil War, but when I went to one of those games, let me just say, I thought it was, I thought there was a real bird. Oh, when you mm. saw Luke Perry as Fred Bird? I was drunk at the time, so <laughs> I don't even know if it was him. Okay. But I thought there was a bird. So wait, so did you recently reprise your role as Fred Bird at the Fredericton, Ohio High School? No, I did not. He was probably looking at an actual bird. Oh, okay, yeah. So that was definitely... Might have been a bird. It, it might have just been a bird. I don't even think I was in Ohio. Oh, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So did you have, like, fun business, like, mascots that you, like fun things sometimes when they're, you know, when they're trying to rile up the crowd, you know? Uh, I, you know, my, my focus was specifically on the other team's crowd mm, and uh, striking fear. So oh. uh, a lot of, um, you know, motions of, I'm going to cut your throat. Um, a lot of pointing directly at people, uh, unflinching eye contact. Um, so no, I would not say fun business mm-hmm. because once again, I was business. I was Fred. You were Fred. Fred Bird. Fred the Bird. Now the, I'm the bird I saw did the same thing. <laughs> the same like cutthroat same motion, kind of thing. Solid okay. eye contact. Absolutely. I think it just made a bird angry. President Pierce. It's possible. It's very possible. Um, so yeah, so was this where you got the acting bud, Luke Perry? Was this the first yeah, performance that you yeah, ever did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from then on, really, I, th- I thought I'm going to approach acting in the same way, where Ooh. I'm going to be so good at acting that it will strike fear into the audience of not appreciating my performance. I'm really interested in your focus on striking fear into people that are watching you, because yeah. it's it doesn't seem to me... Like, that's something that you are achieving when I look at you. And when I'm assuming that other people look at you, they see a very handsome man. Mm-hmm. They see a cool guy. Have Maybe you, I want to be friends with this guy. Maybe I want to date this guy, you know? Have you ever thought to yourself, wow, Luke Perry, not a good actor? No, I've never thought that. That's no, because no. I struck fear into you. Whether you felt it as fear or not, I struck fear into you at the idea of thinking that I didn't give a great performance. Oh, interesting. Wow, that's a real sir, as well a circular way of achieving your goal, but it worked. It was so effective. I feel like I, I have a good track record and I have the respect of the people. Definitely. I, I do want to ask you a couple more questions about this uh, this experience that you had in high school. So obviously your character Dylan in 90210 was in high school. Mm-hmm. Would you say that high school Luke Perry had any similars to to the character Dylan from 90210? Like... Honestly, I feel like I'm still in high school, you know? I brought Ooh. that with me. Interesting. And so wow. it's with me every day. 
whether I'm going to the grocery store and flirting with the cashier or whether I'm uh, picking up my kids, you know, I'm still cool and I'm still in high school. Is the cashier that you flirt with in high school? Yeah, I mean, I feel like all the time. You probably shouldn't flirt with that cashier then. Well, but flirting for me, just the same way that my great performance is striking fear, is also me just going through a normal checkout. So I may not be flirting with her, but I am flirting with her by doing such a good job at just checking out at the grocery store. You are inspiring fear in her that you are not portraying a flirt. Also that, that is a part of it. this way, you're not flirting, Mm -hmm. but you're acting. Yeah. Wow. To any outside person, it would look like I just picked up a bag of oranges and some Mm -hmm. bananas and some milk. But uh, to anybody who knows the way that I approach life, my philosophy, they, they go, wow, he is striking fear. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I had no idea that there was so much uh, complexity to your, uh, to your method. But I definitely, I definitely want to hear more about that as we get into sort of like the nano two. Can I just really quick say that when I was president, it would have been perfectly fine to flirt with a high school girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Thank- well, thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I'm glad that that has changed. I'm glad that that's not yeah, a thing anymore. for sure. You know? A couple things have changed since I was president. A lot of things have changed. Mostly for the better, I would say. Some things have not changed You enough. would say. Of we wouldn't all say. Of course. Can you think of one thing that has changed for the worse since your presidency, President Pierce? Uh, well, for instance, uh, slavery. Okay. Uh, I was a big fan of that. Um, were you? Were you a big fan of slavery? I, I was. <laughs> I The Kansas and Nebraska Act was all me. That is true. That is true. But here's the thing is, uh, you know, according to the Wikipedia, and you are free to... To the Wikipedia. It, yes, according to the Wikipedia, uh, you were a vocal opponent of the abolitionist movement. You didn't like abolitionists. You called them annoying. But yes, the people trying to stop slavery, slavery were yes, annoying. You did not and care thus, about them. <laughs> But you also said that slavery, you described it as a social and political evil. It seems as though you opposed slavery, but well, also But I also opposed opposing slavery. Yeah, exactly. Really, this is the problem when you drink as you write. <laughs> Sometimes your true thoughts don't get out there. And by the way, mm-hmm. have you ever met someone against slavery? If there's one word I would use to describe them, it is annoying. Really? They're super annoying. If, if you're against slavery, you're annoying. It's. Have you heard them talk? They're just like, uh, slavery's bad, uh. I mean, come on, shut up already. Mm-hmm. Well, see, here's the thing. I, I'm against slavery. I don't think that I have been monopolizing this conversation with... Uh, my anti-slavery rhetoric. You didn't even understand what acting is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's neither here nor there, President Pierce. That's not that's related to the to the issue at hand. I just I found that a little annoying as well. <laughs> All right, fair. Maybe I'm annoying in other ways, I guess. So you say you are pro-slavery, even though you described it as a social and political evil. This it, was the booze talking. Look, a social and political evil. What that means is that slavery made it hard for me to get reelected. Mm. So that's why it was politically evil. Oh, I see. It was inconvenient for you. Very inconvenient. (laughs) Because some people liked it and some people didn't. It was this Mm -hmm. whole thing. And I just wanted to, you know, retain power and money. It really did seem like your goal was not to either keep things the way they were or change things, but just have everybody just sort of like stop complaining. Yeah. It just seemed like you were like, "Let's let's just have everybody chill out. 
on slavery. There was that's why I really love the work of Luke Perry. Mm, oh, because he's so I enjoy chill. I enjoy the chill vibe. Yeah, that's really all I ever wanted. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you guys. Are At least someone on this podcast appreciates me. Appreciates President Pierce. I appreciate you. I am. I appreciate all my guests here Thank on the show. Sure. I'm so glad you guys are here. Uh, going back over to President Pierce for just a moment. So you were born in 1804 in New Hampshire, uh, where you spent most of your professional life. I want to ask you about an incident that happened when you were young. Yes. So you were sent to a boarding school 12 miles from your home, but you got homesick, and you decided to walk all 12 miles home. Your father fed you, and then he drove you part of the way back to school before kicking you out of the carriage and ordering you to walk the rest of the way back to school in a thunderstorm. So before I get to the question... I'd love to know if that description is accurate, if that says you, how you remember it, if there are other details that have been lost to history that you think may be relevant. Well, I don't know for sure it was 12 miles. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been approximated to yes, 12 of miles. Yes, We yeah. didn't have the measuring technology then that we have now. I don't think anybody expects a young uh, Franklin Pierce to know exactly how far the school was away from his house. So yeah. about 12 miles. I was, uh, you know, I was humming some ballads. Okay. And I, I I hummed about 12 miles worth of ballads. That was how you figured out distance. That's how we then. all figured out distance. <laughs> was it depending on how far along you could get in certain songs and how many repetitions there were? Well, yeah, you knew how long the ballad was. Mm, yeah. And so depending on... I mean, you had to know generally how fast you walk. Yes. And also generally how fast to sing the song. You know, like you can sing Cap Town Races really fast or really slow. Right. But you gotta be, you gotta be accurate. Yes. You, you, gotta know, be you sure. don't get to become the 14th president of the United States by singing Camp Town Races inaccurately. Mm-hmm. That is that That'd is a be a ridiculous assumption. But can I just say about yes. that story? Of course. Um, two things. One, it really taught me personal responsibility. Mm. And two... Just when I think back to what my father did, I mean, just what a dick. <laughs> just for real. Just I was a child. Yeah, no arguments here. It was here. a thunderstorm. No arguments here. It I really was holding harsh. a metal pole. You, you had a metal pole with you? That's, that's what I used to tap the beat as I hum the song. <laughs> and okay. he knew that. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I know my child has a metal rod with him. And it is extra unsafe for him. And to that was the only story. thing we knew about technology then. Mm-hmm. All yeah. we knew was metal equals lightning. Yeah, yeah. And the one piece of information he had was that this is going to make this walk more dangerous for my child. For my yes. Son. Yeah, no. I no think his there. goal was that either I would learn personal responsibility or I would die, mm-hmm. which was really how discipline worked then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it was a real high stakes game. Had a lot of brothers and sisters. I mean, mm-hmm. you could have just he could have just had another one. Yeah, exactly. You have fifteen kids, so that if one of them gets uh, struck by lightning on their walk back to boarding school, you know, you got you got a bunch on reserve. But it really did teach me a great deal because I don't know if you know this, but when I started school, I was the bottom of my class. Yes, that the is the absolute worst student. And by the time I graduated, I was the ninth worst student. I know. Yeah, and so. Really, I learned a great deal. And it was that walk home that changed you from the worst to the... To the ninth worst. To the ninth worst. Which, and, and I, I was the worst president for a while, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now I'm the second worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, so I'm third, starting fourth, to, in the bottom area. Right. Yeah. I'm not quite the ninth worst yet. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping for some other bad ones coming up, mm-hmm. and I really do believe we can get there. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a promise that you can really have faith in uh, from President Pierce. If you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today are 20th century American actor Luke Perry. Thank you. And uh, 14th president of the United States, President Franklin Pierce. Also, thank you. All right. Let's go back over to Luke Perry for just a moment. So, hey, Jeff. Uh, 1984. You move out to Los Angeles to pursue acting, and according to the Wikipedia, you auditioned 256 times before getting your first job as an actor. Is that I right? I do have one correction to that. It Ooh. was uh, actually not that I pursued acting, but I set out to take acting down. To take it down, yeah. to inspire fear mm-hmm. in acting. Yeah, but everything else is correct. Gotcha. Okay, so 256 auditions. Yeah. That is, it's obviously a big number, Yeah. but it's also very specific, and I'm wondering what your mechanism was for keeping track. Like, it was exactly 256? Or are you saying it was, like, around 256? Did you hum as well? <laughs> no, but I did keep track with the RGB uh, color palette, which there are 256 colors, as you know. Wait, there are uh, 256 colors in the... In the basic 256 color palette. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, and so for each audition, I painted a different shade uh, until I was done. Interesting. And what, yeah. what did you paint? Did you, like, did you have a wall that you were sort of like kaleidoscoping? Yeah, my apartment. Gotcha. And so you would make, yeah, every every audition attempt was a different color mm-hmm. of the 256 shades in the RGB spectrum. Yeah. My apartment by the end was a gradient of my progress. Gotcha. Now here's the thing. I don't know if you thought this through. What if it took you more than 256 auditions to get your first job, Luke Perry? I mean, have you seen my acting? I mean, I have seen your acting. And so it is would you, did you think that I didn't have that completely under my control i think that i mean based on how excellent of an actor you are thank you and how attractive of a person you are my assumption would be that you would get your first acting job in 10 auditions well that's very naive Uh, explain explain well acting it just does it doesn't work that way Mm. i mean even with my precision you know i'm not going to get it on the first try now what i could plan out is that i would get it on the 256th try but i could not plan getting it on the first try it takes a lot of auditions to get it right, to get mm-hmm. the right opportunity, and to nail it and strike fear into the casting director's heart. Now, Let's did see. you get your security deposit back? Uh, I did <laughs> not. Because you, uh, you did paint your apartment a lot of different colors. And I'm yeah. imagining you did not get permission to do that beforehand. I didn't, no. Mm, yeah, you got to do that beforehand. Well, lesson learned. Now, can I... Look, sometimes you do things without permission from everybody. That's yeah. right. They say it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. That's exactly how the Civil War went. <laughs> it seems like a lot of things are exactly how the Civil War went. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask you, Luke Perry, was there any part of you that knowing that you had 256 coming up and you had 256 colors to use... Were there any jobs that you could have gotten at 150 or 200 or 189, but you, but you dipped out, but you faded, and you were like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this one so that I can get it right on 257? Yeah, I probably could have hit it on 112. Yeah. Um, That's when you think you've, you, you, nailed, you started nailing it? Well, I had, could have, but mm. you know, uh, I wanted this apartment to look good. <laughs> so I kept going. You know? There were other ways to go about that. Like, you, know, you weren't stuck to this. To the system that you would create. Well, once again, I, I'm a man of dedication. Right. So uh, maybe a, a lazier man would have just painted it after nailing the audition or even paid people with the money that he made from the 112th audition. Mm-hmm. From that gig, he probably could have paid somebody to do it. Yeah. But w- would he have felt the satisfaction? No. That's mm-hmm. what I would have done, but I am a lazier man. Than yes, and also from a very wealthy family. Where that is true. You could have just paid somebody to do that thing. 
Yeah. Uh, let's go back over to President Pierce for just a moment. So your first elected position that you held was the Hillsborough Town Moderator. You were in that job for six consecutive years. And I'm not really familiar with the that specific position. Would you describe for us what the town moderator does in public office? Well, if you're unfamiliar with Hillsborough, it's a town that needs a great deal of moderation. Okay. Yes. Um, there, were, there were some uh, wealthy white folks who had some visions for how the town would go. And then there were some uh, not wealthy white folks who had other ideas. Um, and by folks, by the way, I mean, I mean men. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to moderate between them so that the wealthy ones would always win. Gotcha. Very important. Your job, you were the middleman between the wealthy men and the non-wealthy men. Well, you know, not everybody's going to get their way. Of course. So it was really important to make sure that the couple of people with land interests mm-hmm. um, would win out yes. over the rest of the town. Okay. And a lot of people might view that as a, as a thankless job. Mm-hmm. But I think my thanks was just knowing that they were happy and also kickbacks. The rich people were happy and also giving you money for the work that you had done in securing their interests. Yes, but also, I mean, I don't know why you had to specify that the rich people were happy. I said the people. Mm, Yeah, okay. So I'm clearly referring to Mm. the ones with money. Yes, yes. This This feels indicative of the kind of politics that existed back then. And I mean... Personally, I'm a little more on the every American citizen is important, whether or not you're rich. Uh, but I can understand how this might be different political philosophies that we share. Yeah, I agree that with the same thing, that every American citizen, if you're rich, is important. Mm-hmm. No, but I, I didn't say the rich part. I said, I, I said every American citizen. Right, every American mm-hmm. citizen. That implies the other people aren't citizens. No, everybody is a citizen. If you're I, this country, Franklin Pierce. I don't think you've read the Constitution as well as I have. <laughs> have, I, have you read the Constitution, Franklin Pierce? Have you been president? I haven't been president, but as we... As and we you're going to tell me how to do my business. I got to say, if, any, if we've learned anything from the era that we currently are in, it is that being president is not indicative of any kind of skill or intelligence. I think that so, that is a harsh thing to say, especially coming from someone that doesn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's a, you know, that's a really good point. Yeah, what do you even care what I think? What do you even care what I think? I'm a poor person. I'm you mainly know? doing this podcast so that I can meet Luke Perry. Ooh, oh, you were wow. the draw, Luke. That is fucking cool. <laughs> I mean, you're also a rich white man, so, so. I am. Question for you. One more question for you. Uh, His vote counts. President Pierce. Yes. Obviously, your legacy as president, as we discussed, not viewed well through the lens of history. What about your legacy as the Hillsborough Town Moderator? First of all... How do people feel about that? I think a lot of people don't realize the best thing I did as president. Ooh, what was the best thing you did as president? The Gadsden Purchase. The Gadsden Purchase. Gadsden Purchase. Without the Gadsden Purchase... Tucson, Arizona would not be part of the United States. Mm-hmm, that's right. And thus, University of Arizona would not be in Tucson. That's right. And thus, the best college in Arizona would be Arizona State. And you know how much of a travesty that would be? <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, boy. Yeah. Keep an Arizona State down. That is, that is President Pierce's legacy. We are coming up at a break pretty quickly. Uh, so let's go back over to Luke Perry for just a moment. Um, hey, Jared. 1989. Let's jump ahead to 1989. You auditioned for a new television pilot called 90210. 
But you originally auditioned, you, you eventually land the role of Dylan McKay, the wealthy uh, boy with a chip on his shoulder. He's got a lot of emotional problems. I always related uh, to that character. Thank <laughs> you. That is heartwarming to hear. Now, here's the thing. You originally auditioned for the role of Steve Sanders, which obviously eventually went to the actor Ian Zaring. 255. 200, oh, wait, what? That, that audition, it was 255. Wait, I'm sorry. So you're saying that the first role that you ever landed yeah. in 250-some-odd right. auditions, 257 was... For Dylan McKay of that two and wait. So you arranged it mm-hmm. so that your two hundred fifty seventh audition would be the role that would define you for the rest of your life. Yes. Wow, that is impressive. Dedication. Now the Wikipedia it lists some other work that you did before Nano two and but I'm guessing that's just an inaccuracy on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, then. that's yeah. correct. All right, no. That's correct. That it's incorrect. Yes, no clarification needed there. Yeah, but I want to know. So like. Uh, obviously you had to do different things for the role of Steve Sanders because mm-hmm. Steve Sanders was a different type of character than Dylan McKay. Yeah. How would you describe the differences between those two characters? What did they have you do at that audition? You know, uh, what, what was the read like? Uh, well, they had me uh, throw a football around mm. and uh, kind of bullying another actor. Mm. Um, and uh, that didn't really vibe with me. You know, I was more of a stand-up for a bully kind of guy. But I did it, um, mm. you know, and uh, I did it poorly to make sure that I would get the role of Dylan Ooh, McKay. So you did a poor job of bullying mm-hmm. this other actor. That's right. Can we get a little taste of that? Maybe, yeah. how, how would you feel if President Pierce if he bullied you right now in the same fashion that he sort of threw this audition back then? Well, he's rich, so that's fine. Okay, Sorry. yeah. You have permission okay. from Franklin Pierce. Let's see this. Uh, this this toned down bullying sure. that lost you the part of Steve Sanders on 902. Absolutely. Uh, hey there, pal. Uh, that's a nice shirt. Did your mom give it to you? Because she did a really good job, and you look good in it. And uh, I think we should hang out and cruise for chicks. That's actually verbatim. <laughs> So that's what you did during your audition. Mm-hmm, that's right. I can't imagine that that was the script that they gave you, though. No, did they ask you to not. improvise, or did they just? No, they did not. <laughs> so they gave you a script mm-hmm. with more traditional bullying on it, mm-hmm. and you just did that instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really tanked that audition, man. Oh yeah. Well, I think I nailed it. Mm-hmm. So you don't think you nailed it? No, I nailed it. I you nailed, nailed what, your, what I wanted. What your goal was. out of that. That's right. Your goal to tank and land Dylan. On 257. That's right. God, we are learning so much fun info here. Uh, we've got to take a short break, unfortunately. Before we do, can I just point out it's pronounced Ian Zering? Ian Zering? It it's is. Ian. Oh, yeah. Well, that's my bad. I should have done better research. When I have him on the show, I will apologize. I'm just... So, Ian Zering. Again. You cannot die soon enough, because I got this apology that's burning a hole in my pocket here. Again. Poor people don't matter as much as rich people. Okay. We've got to take a short break. We've got to take a short break. We will be right back with President Pierce and Luke Barry on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars. Leave a comment. Tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us. Whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out. 
out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBarrenson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are 20th century American actor and teen idol famous for playing the character Dylan McKay on the TV series Beverly Hills 90210, Luke Perry. Hey, Jarrett. Oh, I thought he was introducing me. (laughs) And... And we also have 19th century American politician, 14th president of the United States, widely regarded as one of the worst presidents to have ever existed, President Franklin Pierce. Would you pass me the scotch? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Help Thank yourself. You. Uh, let's go. Let's uh, start off this section with another question for President Pierce. So I want to ask you um, a couple of uh, questions about your role during the, um, the, the war against Mexico. Uh, in 1846, Congress declares war against Mexico. You volunteer to join the war effort. Uh, you're promoted to brigadier general, and you lead a company of men at the Battle of Contreras. But the battle is a bit of a fiasco for you. Your horse is startled, and it knocks the, the saddle into your groin. The horse then trips, and you're pinned under it. But you still want to fight, so they tie you to your saddle and send you into the, into the battle... But the pain is so great that you just pass out on your horse. Is that accurate? Is, are there any amendments that you want to make to that story from the Wikipedia? No, that's perfectly accurate. That's exactly what happened? See, my horse had never seen a Mexican person before. Okay. And when my horse saw a Mexican, got a little startled. Okay. My horse didn't know what this was. Now, here's the thing. Yeah. There are a lot of horses at, in, in this battle, I'm assuming. Yes. A lot of Mexicans for the horse to see... But this was the horse's first day. Mm-hmm. The other horses, they had seen Mexicans before? Everybody has the first day of the war. Look, it's di- the first day at work is tough, right? First day at work is tough, yeah. Sometimes you don't know, uh, you know where things are kept. Mm. You don't know everybody's name. And you've never seen a Mexican person before. Gotcha. And that's what your horse's experience was. Yes. My horse had never seen a Mexican person before. Mm. Got a little bit startled. Yes. Um, he was a, he was a horse used to white people. Okay. And, and let's be honest, so was our company. Uh, the, the other people yes, fighting. Yes, we were also used to white people. Yes. And this was a different time. It was a different time. This was a time where, uh, you know, New Hampshire, uh, had a, you know, this live free or die. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which, you know, that was for us. That was for white people. For white men. For That's white, the, yes, wealthy white men. white men. Yes, the other people could just choose the die option, but the live free was for us. And so... so their option was or die. Yes, that was for them. it was or die. It, <laughs> okay. No, it was actually live or die. Live or die. Just not free. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, were, we were in the war, mm-hmm. and my horse, as, as we've stated, saw a Mexican person. Got scared. Got scared. Look, scared is harsh. Startled. <laughs> he got startled. Startled. Um, my horse was very brave. Mm. I wouldn't say he was scared. He was just like, he just, ah, 
Yeah. You know, just a little, ah, just yeah. a little startled. Yeah. And uh, and he and and so we fell, and I got pinned under the horse. Yes. Um, my groin hurt a great deal because the saddle had been struck into your groin. My into my enormous groin. <laughs> okay, that's unnecessary. It's I don't even know why that's not in the Wikipedia, <laughs> but that's why the horse was able to hit me that easily. Everybody else that's riding a horse, they get startled. Easy target. The saddle though. misses their groin because it's regular size. Easy target. Mine was presidential sized. <laughs> As you know, you cannot become elected president unless you have an enormous penis. I did not know that. You need to do better research as a host. Well, no, this is like, I feel like this is one of those secret things that they only tell presidents. Like, you don't know what it's like oh, shit. after you're inaugurated. Oh, You don't know. Were you no. not supposed to, to, to dish no, that? No, I was not. President Pierce. Are the, we able to cut this out? The dick, oh, I'm so sorry, but we, we always re- release everything that's recorded on oh, the show. Oh, no. So I might sorry. not be invited to the next camp. Grounds. Oh my god, maybe this explains why the election was stolen from Hillary Clinton, because she wouldn't be able to participate in the, in oh, the she, dick measure. she'd have been fine. Oh, but... you... <laughs> That's a little offensive. If it I makes mean, you feel any better, I'm feeling good, because I just found out that I could be president of the United States. You could be an excellent president. Yeah. No, because you, you also be have a pretty big, a yeah, pretty big yeah, D. Yeah. You Perry. could easily tie me for ranking of second worst president. If not, better. Thank you. You're welcome. It means you'll be one of the best 50 presidents of all time. Maybe one of the best 100. That is super cool. <laughs> so. Gotcha. And and all apologies to anyone, you know, anyone that I might be offending who doesn't understand, you know, what a real man is like. Mm. But I just need to, I, I do need to set the record straight on one thing. Okay. Um... I did not pass out from the pain. Okay. Um, I passed out from knowing that I wouldn't get to kill as many people. It was sadness. It was so upsetting to you that you were uh, slightly incapacitated during the war. Yes. And so you wouldn't be able to kill as many people. And it made me sad. And you made and you got so sad that you passed out. Yes. Oh, wow. I mean, that's happening. You, right? Never. No, not that I can think of. You've never, during a war, been too sad <laughs> that you weren't going to get to kill enough people? Now, I really, I don't know if I'm, I can throw stones, because I've never even been to war. You know? I've never been to a single war. What? Yeah, I know. How'd you get this podcast? Uh, you don't need to, to, to be in a war to start a podcast. You, any human can start a podcast, as long as you have recording equipment. That's ridiculous. You don't need qualifications? No, I mean, no. No, literally... You know, I'm actually with you on this, Franklin Pierce. There are no qualifications to starting a podcast. Any person can do it. Well, I'm glad you agree with me on one thing. I yeah. mean, your opinion doesn't matter, but of course, if it did... Because I'm a poor person and a Jew. I would appreciate... Oh, I didn't even know <laughs> that one. Let's go over to uh, back over to Luke Perry before... Well, can I ask you a question real quick? Oh, Perry? yeah, go ahead. Have you ever done acting? Have I ever done acting? Have I have acting? acted, yeah. Well, then you've been to war. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know what? I never thought about it that way, but Luke Perry is 100% right. There's no difference between acting and going to war. That's right. It is now, exactly as emotionally strenuous and physically strenuous. Mm-hmm. I've, never, I've never acted, so I don't know. Mm. Well, if you've been to war, then you've done acting. Well, I didn't, <laughs> but then I'm a great actor. I agree. I was wonderful at war. I don't know if you were. I mean, it sounds like there were a lot of foibles when you went to war. When we played war, 
I was so good at that. Mm. Mm. Yes, which gotcha. is acting. Mm. Ooh. I have I've got to tell you how much I appreciate the commitment that you have to your craft, Luke Perry. Thank you. Uh, Again, I thought he was talking to me for a second. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your, you, you know, your breakthrough, right? Mm-hmm. You're Dylan McKay. You're this teen heartthrob. People are going nuts for you. Teenage girls are putting up posters of you in their bedroom, mm-hmm. you know? And in 1991, you decide you're going to do an autograph session for all your fans. I remember that. Gotcha. 10,000 teenage girls come down, and they start a riot. Mm-hmm. And you are forced to leave in 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Now, I was a little too young to have heard about this on the news when it happened. Can you walk us through that incident? What happened when you arrived? What did you see? What did you do during those 90 seconds before you figured, like, this isn't going to work. These girls are too, I don't know, whatever. And then what the aftermath was of those 10,000 teenage girls being denied Luke Perry's autograph. Uh, well... Let me say that it was a long process of I should have done an autograph session and it kind of built up, you know, uh, mm. like a, a balloon a little bit. Yeah. Um, so you had like a manager who was like, we've got a lot of autograph requests. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should do an event. And you were like, I'm busy. You're busy. Yeah. I was really into eggs. Uh, I was hard boiling them. I was trying to learn a sunny side. Um, a poached egg. You were trying to learn Sunnyside? <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> Sunnyside. I, uh, I actually did. I lost another security deposit because of how bad I was at Sunnyside eggs. Well, uh, you just they smoked, were, damaged your apartment? They were caked onto the walls. Oh, I see. Uh, so. Um, I had a guy who could have just made those for you. But would I have appreciated it? Yeah. I think there's you a know? difference here between the, the ethic that Luke Perry has towards like actually learning skills and developing things and doing them themselves versus uh, what seems to be your attitude, President Pierce, of just like hiring someone to do the hard work for you. I learn who to hire. Yeah. That okay. is hard work. I mean, that's yeah. one skill. That's yeah. a skill, I guess. I would like to like, like to know how this affected maybe your presidency, but well, I want to finish up with Luke Perry on this question about the, about the riot that happened. Okay, I have more egg stuff to talk about too. So you're so busy learning eggs yeah. that you keep on pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. Yeah. And then finally, what is the damn break moment where you're like, you know what, I got to do this. I got to do these autographs, man. Oh, I, I, figured, I figured out the Sunnyside eggs. So <laughs> I said, uh, Dean, that was the name of my manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do it. It's gotcha. time. Um, Can you ballpark for us how long that took, by the way? How long the hard boiled egg thing? How long the uh, Sunnyside thing took? Uh, this this is re- refresh my memory. When did we do this signing? Nineteen ninety one. And uh, you were yeah. hired in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, so two years. So two. <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, I was a hit. You're immediately. like, I'm gonna celebrate being on the show mm-hmm. by learning hard, uh, Sunnyside up eggs. Well, I'm gonna celebrate my life path but mm. you know it wasn't this show specifically it was like i'm here where gotcha. i expected to be where i knew i'd be okay um, so you say dean yeah, yeah who was your manager yeah let's do this thing uh-huh he's like perfect said, i'm gonna throw it together yeah and um you know i didn't think about how many people there are mm-hmm. in the the country gotcha. and how much a per you know uh, of that are rabid women fans mm-hmm. um, what were you expecting to see when you pulled up first of all where was this event it doesn't even say on the wikipedia uh it was at a little coffee shop named harry's harry's coffee shop yep. uh, how many people does harry's coffee shop seat would you generally say ac- mm, it doesn't have to be accurate just ball uh place. standing room i'm gonna say 29 29 people yeah and so you were thinking 
How many people are going to show up? To 10, this? 15. 10, 15 people are going to show up? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, it, it was more than 10 to 15. And it was 10,000. Yeah. Um, when they opened the doors, um, I got to say, uh, it was the first time that fear was struck into my heart. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. These girls were, like, acting at you yeah. for the first time. It, that's exactly what it felt like. It wow. felt like I was a casting director, and I was auditioning 10,000 women at the same time. Oh, my God. That and, sounds like a lovely day. <laughs> well, if you were there, it wasn't lovely. Inappropriate, okay. Pierce. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, it was terrifying. Mm. It was like being at the edge of a tsunami. Oh, my and, God. And uh, that tsunami wanted to suck your dick. <laughs> So it was, I thought I was going to be devoured. Have you ever seen that movie? Um, I think it's called Munchies. Munchies. They're like little rolling uh, gremlin things and they, they bunch up and they eat meat. I do know what you're talking about, yeah. but I don't think they were called Munchies. Yeah. Well, well there's nothing here nor there. Yeah, either way, it was like that. That's what I thought okay. was going to happen to me. So what happens for 90 seconds? Are you trying to sign autographs and like just get through as many of these 10,000 girls as possible? Honestly, it took me the full 90 seconds to do one autograph because I was that paralyzed with fear. Oh my God. And when uh, 90 seconds was gone, I said, I'm not going to be able to make this. I'm just not going to happen. Okay. And, uh... We pulled a little ruse. Uh, we did a quick, we, do, we dove under the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and me and Dean, we switched clothing. Ooh, okay. I escaped as Dean. Dean took off his the wig that he had fashioned under there, uh, revealed that he was not me. And, uh, That's the when women, riot broke out. Yeah, the women were not happy about that. Now, you see, I would have assumed that the riot broke out immediately because they could tell that Dean was not Lou Perry. Well... Uh, it was, but he, he, you know, he held off once I was in the clear. Mm, um, gotcha. So the disguise was working for a while. Yeah. Well, and, and also I think they were all, the ride didn't break out for a little while cause they could see, well, like he's trying, you know, I was signing <laughs> for that whole 90 seconds. They were like, Oh good. He'll get to me. But mm. once we dove under the table, the tension started to really rise. Gotcha, they knew something gotcha. was up and they didn't know quite what. Did you see any of the aftermath of this riot? Like what happens? Uh, you know, I, I tried not to, but, uh, I did look a few years ago and it was a lot it, it was a lot of dead people oh my god yeah wow. um there were people who were crushed people were it was a lot like Tiananmen Square um, and my yeah. presidency <laughs> yeah I don't think that's fair your presidency was pretty bad but I don't know if it was 10,000 teenage girls uh destroying a coffee shop and murdering yeah. the yeah uh, that's people. much worse than the civil war no I'm not saying okay I'm not conflating all right. For those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are uh, 20th century American actor Luke Perry. Hey, Jared. And 14th president of the United States, President Pierce. Hello. Uh, since we're talking about the Civil War, uh, well, first of all, you, we, you, we've established, you have this attitude of, you know what, I'm not going to do the hard work. I'm just going to hire someone to do this hard work for me. And it's a skill. You know, delegation is a skill, I would, I would argue. Right? Delegation is, is a very important skill. Gotcha. Now, did you apply this to your presidency? Did you try to hire great people to do the work of the presidency and thereby freeing you up to just enjoy being a rich white man president? I did. And actually, uh, Luke's autograph story reminds me a great deal of the third month of my presidency. Mm. Um, I actually just decided to not be president for a little bit. It's, you gotta show up a lot. Yeah. And so I just, I just found, I just found a person who looked a little bit like me. And you ever see the movie Dave? I have seen the movie Dave, yeah. It's based on that. You did a Dave? 
so Dave did a me. <laughs> okay, because you did it first. Obviously. I did it first. Yeah. So we just found a guy who looked like me, mm-hmm. which, you know, then, again, different time, just really had to be white, similar height. Mm-hmm. That's it. We all look alike. Nobody knew what we really looked like with, yeah. with I mean, those with paintings. Yeah, there's no high-res photography. Yeah, you know? we, it, and I just had to put the right wig on him. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, and then just uh, went on a bit of a vacation. Wow. So what did you do while this other guy was being President Pierce, while you were daving? Went to Costa Rica. You went to Costa Rica? Yeah. Just a little vacay, just lovely hanging out on the sand? There. Absolutely lovely. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been. But, I would have thought that you went to Cuba because you did try to buy it at some point. Uh, maybe that was where the inspiration came from. No, 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 no. We mm-hmm. I tried to buy Cuba much later. Gotcha, you're, gotcha. You're mixing things up at this point. Mm. Was it? Did somebody say, "Oh, if you liked Costa Rica, you should go to Cuba"? No, Cuba. These is are very completely similar. unrelated things. Okay. I just bought Cuba because I saw it as an island that white people didn't own yet. Mm. And, and you figured we should. Absolutely. Mm. Gotcha. We got gotcha. part of Arizona. That's right. Yeah. I mean, Annex Texas as well. Yeah. We, without, I mean, without my presidency, uh, we would have way, way less desert in this country. <laughs> that and would I be think a that, that is, that's an important thing that we have. What did your stand-in president do while you were gone? Was there anything that they accomplished that you were like, oh, great, thank you? No, the key was for him to not accomplish anything, otherwise mm. people would get suspicious. That's right. It's like, all you got to do is be drunk and just generally unhappy uh, and do a poor job. We actually kept him drunk enough that he didn't even know that he was a stand-in president. Oh, really? Yeah. So he was just a drunk guy who didn't even know that he had been sort of like doing this Dave for you. Just found him at a bar in D.C. Hmm. And, you know, and, and we did like a little, hey, you kind of look like me thing. And then, <laughs> you know, and then one thing leads to another. And I got to go to Costa Rica for a bit. Now, obviously, this works out better. Uh, it makes the ruse easier because your wife was famously not in D.C. during your presidency. No, no, uh, no. I wanted to ask about uh, your relationship because in, uh, you know, in when you're 27 years old, before you were president, you're yes. the star of the Democratic Party. But in all these letters that we find, you are lamenting your bachelorhood and you long to settle down, to, to have a wife, and to, and to leave New Hampshire. Is that right? Well, I knew that I could not become president without a wife. Oh, okay. It was very important to the, the American people. They don't, they don't want to elect, elect a bachelor president. Hmm, interesting. And so I knew that just for political gain... Um, which is why I wasn't all that sad when all my children died, because <laughs> it was really just part of, you know, becoming eventual president. Having a wife, having a kid, that was the politics game. Absolutely. So after you were inaugurated... Look, we all have jobs we don't like. They're all elements, no matter what you do. Mm. As a jo- I'm sure, you know, as an actor, you had to sign some autographs. You had mm-hmm. to sign an autograph. What was oh, the yeah. worst part of being an actor, Luke Perry? What did you hate about being an actor? Ooh... Uh, mm. You know, it just took too, too much time away from my culinary efforts. <laughs> from learning all the different... Yeah, I really was just waiting until, okay, I'm, I'm acting enough that I can focus on what my real passion is. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that while you're, you know, waiting on gigs. You can't be yeah. messing around with eggs. Did the wait- writers work in the Peach Pit sc- 
plot lines so that you could be around food more? Oh, the writers didn't work it in. It was my idea. Oh, Wait, you said, brilliant. why don't we have a place called the Peach Pit where I can do my cooking in between takes? No, I didn't say, why don't we? I said, if you don't do this, you don't have a Dylan McKay. Oh my God, then Dylan is out of here. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, you know what they wanted to call it? Hmm. The Cafe. The Cafe? The Cafe. That's a shitty name. It wasn't even a cafe, it was a diner. <laughs> now, President Pierce, you were saying, there's yes. things about being president that you don't like. Right? Yeah. You say everybody has things they don't like in their job, right? Absolutely. Mm. And mine was having to have a family mm. because it was much easier for me to have sex with people who weren't my family. If they were not around. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Now, um, by the way, once my kids died, that really freed up a lot of time. Of course. So you then were not sad, for example, when like days after your inauguration, uh, you and your wife and your son were in a train accident that basically decapitated your son, but left you and your wife alive. Oh, I was definitely sad. <laughs> I was sad. Really that was you. supposed to take them both out. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were sad that it was only him that yeah, was Yeah, it didn't. Sometimes things don't go as planned. And, you know, but you, you roll the dice and, mm-hmm. and you live and learn, right? You know, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you live and learn. When you're orchestrating a train accident to get rid of your family, sometimes accidents happen. Yeah. And, and one of them accidentally lives. Yes, sometimes accidents don't happen also. Oh, that's a really good point. Uh, But so it seems like this marriage was entirely convenient and for for political reasons. (laughs) You might call it convenient. I found it a bit inconvenient. Uh, She was devoutly religious, abstained from alcohol, constantly ill, hated politics, hated the town you were from. If you thought abolitionists were annoying... Boy, oh boy. Ooh, oh, get a load of my wife, huh? If you thought abolitionists were annoying. Oh, oh. That is, yes, that is what I just said. I would like to abolish her from my life. That was the one hey. thing I would have, that abolitionists I would have been okay with. Mm. But, you know, it's the politics game. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes in between affairs, you just have to go home to your wife. It almost seemed like you picked a wife who would... I don't know, like die of illness or just hate you so much that you wouldn't want to spend any time with you? Is that it was that definitely it was definitely difficult going through the terminal ward at all the hospitals to find the right one. Oh, so you picked her out of out of a hospital, basically. Oh, I mean where else are you gonna find a sick wife? <laughs> Do you not think this through? This is why you've never been president. You mm-hmm. haven't really I don't you, have an eye for the long game. You don't yeah, you're just thinking short term, Jared. You're thinking you're thinking this next big score, what you really have to do is think about the future. Mm. And have a huge penis. Wait, I'm yes. going to have a huge, have a huge penis. penis. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to say that. Can we not bring <laughs> no, that up? I'm sorry. I'm just super excited about my new endeavors. I'm super, I'm, yeah, I can't wait to hear more secret president things that we're not supposed to know about once you spill them on the table. You know what? Uh, we're all friends here, right? Yeah, we're all friends. Yeah, we're all, friends. all three of us are friends. We're going to hang out after yeah. this. Okay. I, so you have to have a huge penis. Mm-hmm. Numero uno. <laughs> uh, numero dos is you have to speak your numbers in Spanish. Okay. Uno dos tres. Yeah, you can't say, but then it changes back at four. Okay. Uno dos tres. Never four. cuatro. Okay. So you go numero uno, numero dos, numero tres, numero four. But you say the numero part. You gotcha. do. Then five... It goes back to number five. 
It's just kind of a code we have this... to recognize each other. Oh, okay. I picked it up while I was killing Mexicans. I see. So this is like in Germany, like you, you when you're doing three on your hand, you use your thumb as the one instead of your forefinger. That's how Germans can tell each other apart. And they can tell if you're being a fake German if you do number one with your index finger. That I don't know much about. I haven't been to Germany. It's just really not the same yes, ever since, of course. you know. Ever since, I'm sorry, ever since... Uh, it just, it, it was, it used to be much stronger of a place. Okay, well, I'm not, you know, I don't want to get into this. I feel like we're going into a territory. I'm going to have to apologize to my listeners for it. Let's go back over to Luke Perry for just a moment. Uh, so... Uh, future president. Future Perry. president. I was discussing the Franco-Prussian War, by the way. Of course. If you could just, I don't... Uh, all right, asterisk, it was about the Franco-Prussian War. So, in 1995, Luke Perry, you leave 90210... Your goal is to find some more mature roles, according to Wikipedia. But then you return to the show three years later. So my question to you, why go back? And how was your leaving and returning explained on the show? Because I had stopped watching at that point. I apologize. Okay. Uh, so yeah, why did you come back to the show and how was it explained? Uh, well, in the show, um, why did I come back as a person, as an actor? Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. That was just, the, that was on my vision board. So uh, It was on your vision board? It was on my vision board. But, I mean, you make your vision board, right? Yep, and that's why I was on it. So you put 90210 on your vision board, mm-hmm. and then you decided to go back. Uh, yeah, it was 90210, and then there was, like, uh, 90210, but it was it was whited out, and then there was 90210 again mm, on my vision board. Yeah. What was uh, in between? Uh, eggs. Oh. <laughs> okay, so then why did you decide to leave 90210 if it was on your vision board? Because then I also had another whited out. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Um, and then I was in um, that show that I did afterwards, uh, where I did get to play a mature role. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like um, uh, Sunnydale or something. Sunnydale. <laughs> Sunnydale. Uh, I, I can only think of the name that I wanted, and the writers mm-hmm. this time they won out. Are you thinking but... of the TV show Riverdale that you did? Yeah. Like a decade after Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Yep. Well, I'm asking you about between 1995 yeah. and 1998. I want to hear yeah. more about Sunnydale, though, because... <laughs> Sunnydale was basically the same plot as Riverdale, but... Uh, the name of the city it was, was different. The name of the, the city was different. <laughs> wow, that's a completely different show. Yeah. Yeah, the name Agreed. of the town really changes things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm sorry, what was your question? So my question was, why... How was it explained in the show... You were uh, leaving and, so in the sh- and returning. In the show, um, you know, I have a tenuous re- relationship with my parents. I don't know if you recall that. Uh, oh, yes, that is correct. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel a little bit abandoned. And uh, when I leave on the show, it is to go find my parents. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it's a little bit like um, uh, that Nicolas Cage movie where he's finding the treasure in America, but I'm finding my parents. National treasure. National treasure. That's mm. the one. Um and, uh, well, actually, I had a little beef with those writers, too. I wanted to call it that Nicolas Cage movie where he finds treasure in America. Uh, but Wait, uh, what, what was your business naming Nicolas Cage movies? I was just hanging out on set. Um, gotcha. You were just you around. Know, yeah, I was between, you know, jobs. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I go off and I pursue them. Um, I get into some hijinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I come back a mercenary. Wait, so when you returned to 90210 mm-hmm. in 1998, yeah. you were a mercenary? A mercenary, heartthrob, I'm sorry. Interesting. Yeah. And so what's everyone's reaction? What's the gang's reaction? You know? Same same thing, but Steve I got um, I have a ben, bandolier. Wait, on. <laughs> you have one of those 
yeah. gun belts across your chest. That's right. So everything is the same. So it's the gun belt. Yeah, I'm chest. surprised you didn't see this. Uh, this is probably the best writing in 90210. Ah, uh, right, right when you return in 1998. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked it better in the beginning just because there were more rich white people on the show. Okay. Mm, wait, how, how did, did they bring more poor people onto the show? Like, as the show was called 90210, so it was about mm-hmm. like rich families. Well, but once, I mean, once Luke left the show, that's one fewer rich white character. That's right. That's a really that's good right. point. I really didn't like it when that happened. When there was one fewer rich white person. Uh, now, we are very quickly running out of time, but uh, Luke Perry mentioned the Nicolas Cage series, National Treasure. Second movie is famously called. National Treasure, President's Book of Secrets. And we have a president here. Who yes. told us some so secrets. Who told us some President's Secrets. So just very quick, is the President's Book of Secrets a real thing? Oh, it's absolutely a real thing. Wow. Can you tell us the most insane thing that's in the President's Book of Secrets? Taft was skinny. Taft was what? It's a fat suit. Oh my God. Whoa. What a bombshell. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have. We can't really get into that. Oh, that's super <laughs> cool. I had Taft on the show and he didn't mention that. We, oh, it's God. a secret. It is a secret. Yeah. Oh man, that is an incredible disguise. And also, I need to not drink as much before I go on shows. Yeah, you revealed like, you revealed a lot here. Uh, I would like to thank my guests, President Pierce and Luke Berry, for joining me in the studio today. Last question: uh, Do I think you have any comedians or like Twitter accounts that you're really big fans of that you want to? Tell people about uh, Luke Perry. Anything you want to tell people about? Uh, yeah, actually, I've been checking this guy, Brett Druck out. B-R-E-T-T-D-R-U-C-K. His Instagram is hilarious. I mean, this guy does, he probably does acting because mm-hmm. the way I laugh, fear is, is struck into my heart. Interesting. So yeah. he's like the Luke Perry of Instagram. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That should go in his bio. Uh, and uh, President Pierce, anything you want to tell people about? I'll tell you what comedian I don't like. Mm. Steve Hofstetter. Because uh, he's Jewish, first of all. Ooh, yeah, strike one. Yeah, um, anti-slavery. Okay. Yeah, um, comes from a mixed family, Ooh. which I believe should be illegal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I find him a bit annoying. <laughs> I see. Similar to abolitionists. So do not check out comedian Steve Hofstetter. Do not check out comedian Steve Hofstetter. Yes. Uh, on his YouTube page. Or Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, TikTok, TikTok. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't don't look at any of that stuff. Do not go to his website, especially if you support slavery. Do not go to his website to check out tour dates and come see him live. Yeah. Uh, you can check out all my stuff at jerrybarrenstein.com. Uh, we have Stand Up 2020, the Stand Up Show slash Voter Registration Drive happening monthly. Uh, check the Pit Theater website or jerrybarrenstein.com slash calendar for the next one. Uh, by my book, The Kelly and Conway Technique. Rate and review the podcast. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. New videos every Tuesday. Uh, hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Jared.